No one likes to feel stuck, especially by your cloud. But the IBM cloud is the most open and secure public cloud for business. It can manage all your apps and data anywhere. Smart loves problems. IBM, let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash flexible. Pardon the interruption, but I'm Mike Wilbon. I am so excited for today's show, but I don't see Kornheiser. Did someone call for Phil and Frank? Oh, I guess so. Pfizer. Fiserv. Say that five times fast. You, not the Mecca? Phil and Frank, Pfizer. I only know Four. the Mecca. As a Chicagoan, <laughs> I'm not observing any new cheesehead joints. The Mecca. That's, See, that's it. a Chicago bias. Huh? Buy, serve, forum. Get it right. Yeah, we'll see about that. Welcome to PTI with the OG Old Gruff. Off yet again, I'm joined from Five Serve Forum in Milwaukee by our great friend from the Athletic Frank Guy Solo. Frank, I'm gonna say this one time. The Mecca. We begin, of course, <laughs> with the Red Sox sweeping the three games in Houston to eliminate the champs and get back to the World Series. And that discussion has to begin specifically with David Price, who spit on his postseason demons to pitch six shutout innings and in the process outpitch Justin Verlander. Price said he might have discovered something while warming up the previous night late in Game 4. Frank, does this end the narrative about Price stinking it up in the postseason? You know what? I really think it does. I also think Alex Cora pushing all the right buttons all postseason long. And I think David Price, I think this started in game two. He wasn't great, but he did last four and two-thirds inning, got an ovation when he came out. And, Michael, here's the deal. He was not pitching for their season last night. No. They were up 3-1. So, yes, there's always pressure in a playoff game, but I think he went in there. And give him credit, too. He's starting on three days rest. He was out standing in a big game, the biggest game he's ever pitched. Well, it was interesting. I want to go back to that whole point about game four for a second, the previous game, and he's he's out there warming up, and at some point, I mean, he's throwing with some pop because he thought he might have to enter that game, did not, and if he says he discovered something, their pitchers discovered things at, at the weirdest times with their yep. bullpen coaches in the weirdest ways. But that is, you, you, I mean, I turned that game on, it was one nothing. he's dealing, and you're like, wow, this is not what I expected. The Houston Astros, by the way, had to be pretty disappointed because they talked a lot of junk all year about how they weren't going to be like previous teams that couldn't repeat. And they go out there and they send Verlander out there, who has been Mr. October in many season. ways. He's been the opposite, really. Yeah. And so f- for them to just get swept out like that, you know what, when you were Frank, I guess it really does prove that in, in this case, this validates the regular season greatness so far of the Boston Red Sox. That, that's a great point. They were the best team in baseball in the regular season. They've been the best team in the playoffs. And think about this, Michael. The Yankees had a terrific team. Boston goes to the Bronx. They win both home games there. They go to Houston, the defending champs. They win all three road games there. Two teams and won 100 way, plus. 100 and 100 and, plus. And I know we're talking about David Price, but let's not forget about Nathan Evaldi. He started game three in the Bronx with the series tied at 1-1. He starts game three, the series tied uh, going to Houston. He won the biggest games of both series. They never trailed. And, of course, was in there Nathan last Nibaldi. night again. So, yeah. Yeah, that's they, right. He pitched a, a one and a third inning. He was terrific. By the way, I'm going to rip Kornheiser real quickly because he said that Cora had no idea what he was doing. His hunch was stupid. It was going to backfire. <laughs> you can't put Price in there. And Tony, of course, not here today for me to just write here. And by the way, Alex Bregman, his yep. last 11 plate appearances. To me, that was their most dangerous hitter on Houston. 0 for 10 hit by pitch. They shut it down. Of course, the great catch at the end of of game four. All right. Approximately four miles from where I sit at 
Pfizer Forum. Get it right, Mecca, Michael. The Mecca. <laughs> the Brewers and Dodgers will play game six of the NLCS at Miller Park. According to The Athletic, the Brewers, who need a win to save their season, suspect that the Dodgers are stealing oh, signs stop. via electronic means, stop. which is a violation, of course, of Major League Baseball rules. That's right, Michael. We're talking high-stakes espionage with a trip to the World Series on the line. So to you, is this a big deal, little deal, no deal? If you think I just experienced annoyance um, at the Bucks for this new arena they got that's not called the <laughs> Mecca, as, as a Chicagoan can do when it comes to cheeseheads, what do you hear what I'm going to say about the Milwaukee Brewers? Shut up! Shut up. I think Play you're right. baseball and stop whining like little babies. The Astros started some of that whining, too, and now the Brewers are doing it. Shut up. It's not about hitting, stealing signs. You're, the opponent's hitting like 220. What are you talking about? Figure out how to use your pitchers properly in a postseason game, particularly a league championship series. Get some timely hits and shut up whining frank there's nothing worse than teams doing this stuff like they're not out there with their own brand of cheating trying to steal signals as well you know it's funny about the whole thing about stealing signs it's as old as you know the players chewing bazooka bubblegum and you know uh, George, you know uh, babe ruth eating hot dogs before games if you go back to bobby thompson's shot her around the world when you know the great giants dodgers game one of the most famous home runs of all time years later they're claiming that the Giants were stealing signs back then. This goes on in baseball. To me, this is gamesmanship. This is Craig Council. Prior to Game Five, he, put, or he starts Wade Miley, pitches him one batter just to get Dave Roberts to switch yeah, his but line. How'd that work? No, it didn't. Right. And so now they're thinking, let's throw it out there that, that the Dodgers are stealing signs. They're trying to win the mental edge, and you hit on it. To me, it's more about the way their pitchers have been used in this series. That's why. That's the reason why the Brewers are down. 3-2 right now. And, you know, they've earned it being down 3-2, and they're probably going to be gotten out 4-2. Okay, there'll be a game going. seven, and you're going to see Clayton All Kershaw in relief at some point. Ooh. At some point. As long as he's not starting. Forget that Clayton Kershaw short <laughs> rest thing. The Dodgers should have gotten rid of that a couple of years ago. Finally, we can report on what LeBron James looked like playing for the Lakers. Pretty good. He looked great, like he always does. 26 points, 12 rebounds, 6 assists. And there was one youngin who was right there with him. No, not Ingram, not Kuzma, but former Villanova Wildcat Josh Hart. Oh, yeah, Portland beat the Lakers for the 16th straight time, and we'll circle back in a minute to the Trailblazers. But, Frank, what did you learn about LeBron and the Lakers from what you saw last night? That LeBron, he's going to turn 34 on December 30th. He's still pretty, pretty good. The key for the Lakers is they can't make threes. They missed their first well, they 15 three-pointers of the night. But, but here's the thing, Michael. Do you think there was a point in that game where LeBron is thinking, where's Ray Allen? Where's, you know, where's Kevin Love, Kyrie Irving, somebody who can make Kyle Corbin? They'll make That's threes. what is missing. They'll you, make, you sure about Cantavious that? Cantavius Caldwell Pope can make a three. Even they got hot late. Lonzo Ball made a rainbow three. Don't tell me. Don't, Frank, anybody can go 0 for 12. They started hitting threes late, and they'll be fine. Michael, if that game was Ma in L.A., they would have won that game last night. Michael, how many big games, all these players that you've mentioned before, yeah. how many big games have they played in the NBA? Because now, every time you play with LeBron James, it's a big game. The pressure is a little bit different. You mean, so you don't mean just that say guy, Rajon Rondo? You mean him? You mean Rondo, who hasn't played? He's not a, he's not a three-point shooter. By the way, he, doesn't, he can hit a three-pointer or two. Frank, 
This is not going to come down to three-point shooting. This will come down to those other young Lakers that I mentioned. Kuzma didn't have a real game last night. He will. I think Ingram is going to benefit dramatically. But I don't want to use up all this on the Lakers because the Lakers, we're going to talk about the Lakers every day. The Portland Trailblazers is not just McCollum and Lillard anymore. Stauskas, who was a throwaway yep. out of uh, uh, Philly, 24 points last night, five threes. Young Collins had six blocks. Nurkic had 17 minutes played and got up 14 shots somehow anyway. The Trailblazers have a team. They yeah. do. And I know they were the third seed last year, and people dismissed them coming in anyway because all people like Kornheiser want to talk about is LeBron. We're going to talk about LeBron. But didn't you think Portland looked pretty good? No, they did. And Nick Stauskas, you brought up, he made five of eight three-pointers. Here is the Lakers. They made seven of 30. By the way, with the Lakers, a minus 15 for Lance Stevenson. Minus well, 15 for your guy, Lonzo Ball. Now, Lance Stevenson, now you just you look at him sometimes and go, ah, well, but don't, don't sleep on Rondo. I thought Rondo and LeBron formed a brilliant combo at times. We'll, they, they we'll need, get back they to need some. They still need some shooting. All right, on to football now. The fallout from the Arizona Cardinals being embarrassed at home Woo. on Thursday was swift and decisive. Woo. The morning after the Broncos' 45-10 victory, the Cardinals fired offensive coordinator Mike McCoy and promoted Byron Leftwich, the old quarterback, who has his work cut out for him. Rookie quarterback Josh Rosen, he looks completely lost. He threw two pick sixes and injured his toe late in the game. If you're the Cardinals, Michael, do you continue to start Rosen or maybe take a step back and, in theory, you're protecting him? Well, there could, there could be a half step back where you don't, have to, you don't have to start him. You can play him. But the Cardinals, I, I know from talking to people down there, they, they, they love Josh Rosen. And they yep. know there are going to be some growing pains. And they knew if, you, if he had to wind up playing this year, and he did and does, you're not looking at some Super Bowl run. So you may as well put him in there and let him have his lumps and grow. And I don't think you're going to see any big yanking of him coming up, Frank. I, I don't. That team is struggling in a lot of areas that you can't pin on Josh Rosen. He's going to have to get some help from somebody besides Larry Fitzgerald. And I don't know about the Cardinals' chances at all this year of winning more than a handful of games. And you know, it's, it's, you know, you fire offensive coordinator, and I do think that does have an impact because in a league where it seems like everybody scores, this is the Cardinals going into week seven. Last in yards per game, rushing yards per game, first downs, third down conversions, and time of possession. So it wasn't working out. And I'll say this for Josh Rosen. You go back to Troy Aikman when he started out. He got beaten up pretty badly. Yep. But you know what? He got through it. You look at Sam Darnold in New York. They have a halfway decent team. They could end up finishing 8-8. Eight and eight. I think playing is going to help them. I get I it. Too. Aaron Rodgers did not play right away. It helped them. Same thing with Pat Mahomes Jr. Got a year to kind of sit back and watch. I'm playing Josh Rosen. It's the best thing. Learn on the fly. Take the training wheels off. Get out there and play. Yeah, I think I'm going to play. And by the way, you, you didn't mention a guy who took his lumps, one Peyton Manning. As a rookie. Yeah, that's right. And so, so yes, I think that Rosen will wind up playing much more than not. Again, you don't have to leave him out there to be a punching bag if there are games and situations yeah. where he needs to look and be, and be an observer. But I think what's going to serve him and them most is him playing. He got sacked, by the way, six times yeah, that's, last that's night. So they got to do a better job lumps. protecting him. Yep. The drama surrounding Jimmy Butler moves to, of all places, Minneapolis. The Timberwolves make their home debut against the Cavaliers tonight. And Butler will take the floor, having told reporters, quote, boo me. Come on with it. I ain't going to change the way I play. Probably going to make me smile more, close quote. Frank, you think the usually polite and appreciative fans of the Twin Cities will take Mr. Butler up on that? 
they're booing you in Milwaukee for calling it the Mecca, not five-star form. He, he is going to get booed, obviously, with everything that's going on. I think Tom Thibodeau will get booed as well. The only way you change that is by playing well. But here's, and you can appreciate this, Michael, because now everyone looks at Minnesota. They're a dysfunctional organization. Hang on a second. Prior to last season, they hadn't made the playoffs that's 13 right. straight years. And they so did last year. they had a winning team. With Jimmy everybody seen, And everybody seems more unhappy now than they were the previous 13 years. Again, I'm told by every former player that I talked to. Charles told us this on the show this week and again to me on text later. You're wrong. He's, he's got to go. He's, he's going to be traded. You know, he's going to pack, pack your stuff up. And I get that. I've heard Grant Hill say this. And guys I talked to, they're uniformly, unanimously saying this is not going to work. He's going to be traded. I keep going back to one thing. The Minnesota Timberwolves haven't been worth a darn the That's last... Right. X number of years, double digit years, years didn't except make the for one season with Jimmy Butler anchoring that team. And if he's going to be out there playing, and he, by the way, seems like, I don't know what it's like in the locker room behind closed doors, but it seems like he's gone to Towns and Wiggins and they've at least said, hey, let's play. So let him play. Why would they boo Tibbs, by the way? Tibbs led them to the playoffs. I agree with you. I mean, they can't be spoiled. They're not New York or L.A. or Boston. They don't, they don't have any reason to be spoiled. And, you know, Michael, if you think about everything that happened with Jimmy Butler, he showed up for uh, uh, the opening night against San Antonio, played well. Last week, they were here. They got blown out in Milwaukee. Carl Anthony Towns came out after the game and called everybody out. Guess what happened to him in the first game? He played 22 minutes Nine and fouled points, out. Fouled he didn't out. do anything. So guess Have what? A game. After everything that happened, Jimmy yeah. Butler was the guy that you could count that's, on in the first game of the season. And that's what they had all last year as well. I, I, people just seem to overlook that. I don't get it. Let's take a break. But coming up. Did Markel Fultz deserve a standing O for that shot, his first (laughs) three-pointer? Thank God he made one. And what are the chances that the Bears take down the Patriots on Sunday? By the way, Giannis asked for you, Michael. Did he? That's that's next level. Tell him I'm going to come. How do you judge someone? Not by what they say, by what they do. We're a nation of doers. What's Mike Bloomberg about? Doing things. A middle-class kid worked his way through college. An entrepreneur, Bloomberg built a global news and information business from scratch. Mayor of a diverse, progressive city, Mike Bloomberg rebuilt after 9-11, creating nearly 500,000 jobs, improving health care and public schools. Now he's running for president, and Mike's the change we need. From chaos to steady leadership, from lies to someone who believes in facts and data, from divisiveness to someone who builds teams, nurtures good ideas, and holds himself accountable for results. Mike Bloomberg knows how to lead, to build, to deliver, to do. He'll win and unite this country. Mike will get things done. I'm Mike Bloomberg, candidate for president, and I approve this message because we need to deliver on the promise of the American dream. Paid for by Mike Bloomberg 2020. Time to bust out our dictionaries for what's the word. And let's get the first one from the producer over the loudspeaker. The standing ovation Markel Fultz got for hitting a three-pointer was blank. You know, Frank, I, I didn't like this at all. I mean, he did step into a three. He looked like he did it with some authority when the defense sagged off and just said, you, you're not actually going to shoot that is what <laughs> the Bulls said to him. And he did it and he hit it. But you know what? When you're talking about Philadelphia fans, everything is temporary. They're, yeah. they're liking somebody's temporary. They're hating somebody's temporary. There we see him shooting that three over Zach Levine who was daring him to do it. Temporary is what it is. I'm going to go with the word overdue, and it's overdue from this standpoint. Last year, he played 14 games as a rookie, only attempted 
one three-pointer. This year, he, he he's only attempted three and has made one. It's hard to believe. Number one overall pick and you're a guard. And now you're into your second year. I get it. It's in only 16 NBA. games. But you've only made one. How, speak, I want to ask you this. First game of the season, they go to Boston. They're starting backcourt. Ben Simmons, Markel Fultz. Forget about they, making they a three-pointer. They don't even attempt them. a three-pointer. Look, How maybe can you do that in today's NBA? Maybe they're turning back the clock on, on <laughs> okay. backcourts. Frank, what is this? We'll it's like Monroe and Frazier who probably took no threes for like, you know, the it's first right. few years it was moves. in effect. You know, it probably didn't have it in effect. What's next? Celtics-Raptors tonight is a blank game. Okay, first of all, it's a compelling game. It's a game that yeah. I want to see played. Everybody wants to see what Kawhi Leonard looks like against the top teams in the East. Celtics-Raptors is a May 14th game. You know why May 14th, oh, Frank? Oh, I get it. Because that's when Good the one. conference finals will probably begin. And I think those two teams, with apologies to the Sixers, who are completely viable, but I'm taking Celtics Raptors. It's a conference finals game. It's a May 14th game. To me, it's a test game. It's Kawhi Leonard's first time against Boston. Gordon Hayward, first time becoming part of this rivalry. Here's the thing about Toronto. They have won six straight games at home against Boston. Last year, they beat him by 20. They beat him by 18. And in my opinion, Toronto got better. With all due you know, respect to Antetokounmpo, Kyrie Irving, to me, the best player in the Eastern Conference is Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. And Toronto, with LeBron gone and Kawhi Leonard there now. So to me, it's a great test game, and I think you're right. They will be in the Eastern Conference Finals. These are the, these are the two best teams in the East. Early want-to-see, if not must-see game from the NBA. What? Yeah is next. It would be blank if the Bears beat the Patriots on Sunday. All right, Bears-Patriots in Soldier Field. Um, I'm going to that game. I'm going to sit in the it's not a frozen tundra yet in the 40s, Frank. It'll be a real fall game. Khalil Mack, don't know if he's going to play. Game time decision, that worries me. It would be a playoff accelerating game if the Bears were to win to get to 4-2, and two, having given away two other games to above 500 teams, the Packers and Dolphins. I, I, I don't know that I see that. I want that playoff accelerating, but I don't know this is going to happen. I'm going to go with Magnificent if they win, because if Khalil <laughs> Mack does play, and he practiced on Friday, they he say he's questionable today. with that ankle injury, plus all the stuff that was said, and you guys addressed it, you know, Bill Belichick talking about Lawrence Taylor, Khalil Mack. Here's the other thing about Tom Brady. This is why, for you, it's going to be the last time you're ever going to be able to see him in Chicago playing. He has played there twice before, five touchdowns, one interception. Tom Brady, who played all, who played there all the way back in 2 still going strong. So you're lucky you get a chance to see. Yeah, him. and that 2 game must have been a pretty good defense anchor by Earl, Brian Urlacher and and Peanut Tillman and those guys. What's next? Last one. Number 16, NC State, has a blank shot of upsetting number three, Clemson. I'm gonna make this short and sweet, Frank. A non-shot. I know they're 16th no. ranked. They played well. A non-shot of upsetting Clemson in Death Valley, Frank. That makes all the difference in the world in Death Valley. And I've been there for games back in the day. Clemson is 30-1 and in their last 31 games. This is not happening. Clemson has too much at stake, and particularly in that building where NC State and nobody else in the ACC plays worth a darn. Uh, you see, this is where you're wrong. First of all, they have a legitimate chance. Syracuse almost beat them a couple almost. of weeks ago. Two years ago, in Death Valley, as you talked about, NC State went in there, had a field goal to win the game, didn't make it, game went to overtime, and Clemson ended up winning. All I'm hearing is almost, Frank. I'm hearing almost. Come on, that's one kick. That's all it would have taken. They're 5-0 and for the first time in 16 years. NC State has a legitimate chance to beat your guys in Death Valley. It's good for the conference to have NC State have another team percolated. They need that, but it ain't happening. Eat your words, Frank. It's time for you to do that. (laughs) Let's take one last break still to come. 
What does Marshawn Lynch's injury leave the Raiders? And is Odell Beckham telling the truth when he says he needs IVs because he doesn't like water? What is water? He's holding water right there. Huh? What are you talking about? He doesn't like water. Odell's like Carmelo. We got to get him you in the why? show every day. You know why? Because he can't catch water. Maybe that's why he didn't like water. See what I try to do there? Time to get happy, people. Happy 56th birthday, Evander Holyfield. The former heavyweight champ was involved in two of the greatest fights in history. Riddick Bo 1 and Tyson 2. But lately he's been spotted on an Argentine dance show and watching his kid, Elijah Holyfield, truck defenders as a running back for the Georgia Bulldogs. His son is playing a safer sport than he is, Michael, believe it or not. You see Good he's knocking son. that safety or cornerback like four and a half yards? Wow. Happy anniversary, Joe Girardi. On this day, 13 years ago, you were named manager of the Florida Marlins. He was instantly manager of the year, then fired, then won a World Series with the Yanks. And people think the former Northwestern Wildcat is destined to be the next manager of the Reds or Rangers. Yeah, and he came within one game of going to the World Series, but the Yankees had to get rid of him because he was two by the book. Had that work out for the Yankees this year. Still at all. It didn't work, Frank. You're right. Ridiculous. Stop messing with Wildcats. Happy trails to endless matches at Wimbledon. The All-England Club announced its new tiebreaker procedure. Starting at 12-12 in the final set, matches will go to a tiebreak. That will eliminate the possibility of the infamous 70-68 that Isner and Mahout played in 2010, or even last year's 26-24 semi between Isner and Anderson that went six and a half hours. I watched that one from the PTI newsroom. It's too long. In fact, 12-12 is too long. That's an extra 12, set. 12 Why is not too just long. start at 8-8? Eight at the latest, even seven for all we care. Come on now. No errors today, people. So we're going to go to the big finish. We don't need a tie break. Doc Rivers thinks Russell Westbrook will play tonight against the Clippers. Do you? Yes, I do. There was video of him training before the game. He'll be out there tonight. Marshawn Lynch out at least one month with a groin injury. Is that a big loss for the Raiders? Probably they can battle it out with the Giants for first pick in the draft upcoming. How about that? Odell Beckham Jr. says he doesn't like water. And that's why he needs IVs. Your thoughts? <laughs> I don't believe him. That's my thought. I think he just says that because he loves the attention. That's Odell. The Browns uh, traded Carlos Hyde to the Jags for a fifth rounder. What does that tell you? It means that Leonard Fournette is going to be out and miss his fifth game of the season. I don't know what it means for Cleveland, though. That's why you don't draft a running back. Last one. Number one Alabama and Tennessee tomorrow. Come on, Frank. Be a man. Pick an upset. What, in women's soccer? Basketball? <laughs> volleyball? Football? <laughs> I'm not going there. We're out of time. Thanks for watching. I'm Frank Isola. And I'm Mike Wilbon. Have a great weekend, knuckleheads. You can get the PTI podcast on the ESP.